SVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic, which is taking care of the Buffalo County Fairgrounds. And they just finished up the bull sale and then decent numbers as these bulls came through the show ring. We're going to talk about what's going on in this cattle market. That'll come in the second half. But in this first half, we're going to talk about really what's going on in Russia, Ukraine. That drought monitor map that was released earlier today does not paint a pretty picture by any means. We're also going to talk about some green on the screen and what's been going on is Mike Zuzalo joins us. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, I mean, I was talking about this before we started this program. I mean, we did have some green on the screen from a grain perspective, but not what many of us wanted to see. Obviously, hoping for some higher numbers. No, you're right. I think this is, to me, today's close was not the rally or the reaction that I really wanted, especially in the corn market, when you see the wheat start to take off. And I think it took off in, in, in direct relation to what you were talking about on that drought monitor update, Susan. And, you know, this is where the wheat and the corn, I still continue to think that the wheat and the corn really, and the wheat especially, need to start to lead the beans higher. And I think the beans, to be able to go through those old highs <clears throat> that we just put in recently and to get back to last May's high in, uh, in lead month soybeans, I think we're going to need the, the help of the wheat and the corn to support the soybeans. But I think the trade and, and, and what today showed me and, in fact, what Tuesday also indicated to me, or excuse me, Wednesday indicated to me was the trade continues to be more concerned about the 21-22 soybean supplies and not the 21-22 corn supplies, nor especially the 22-23 wheat supplies. And you know, you talked about the drought monitor. I think it, again, really holds the key as we transition the market sentiment and, and price leadership and, and kind of what we see on the radar screen away from South America back to the northern hemisphere. Because today's drought monitor, ag drought monitor, said that the top eight states in winter wheat that make about 65% of the production are at a 90% or higher drought level right now. We're talking about overall in the high plains, a drought level that we saw Nebraska jump 17% in one week. We saw the 22% jump in one week in South Dakota. So we are sitting at a situation that is honestly getting quite dire because we're at 72% drought in the United States in the winter wheat geography, and we were only at 31% a year ago, and we all remember what last year was like. So last time I think we talked, I, I, I don't know if it was in the the soybean board uh, video or whether it was the last Fontenelle final bell, I still think the market is kind of whistling past the graveyard here with the drought issues. You look at that, and, and does it make you uh, uncomfortable, the fact that we've been doing so much comparison to 2012, but just even the chatter here at the cattle show is this might be worse than 2012. Yes, and I think this is where, as a risk manager, and I've, I've got an Atchison seminar, Coming up next Wednesday on the 23rd, and I've, 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 my headline for the clients and subscribers and new people that come there are is pretty simple. My value levels are probably going to be tested like they've never been tested in my 26 plus year career in commodities, and I say that because well, when you add together the winter wheat drought, that's cattle country, that's hay, that's forage, and then you add together the South American drought and the potential for the corn to lose bushels uh, in Brazil and Argentina, and I think they will, 
both of them will. Uh, and then you add to that the issue of the avian influenza that broke out this past week in some of the key areas of the country. You know, Kentucky's the number six poultry producer in, in the by production in the United States. And if that disease would go east or south, you'd be in the heart of the poultry flock. And you just don't have the supply of cattle and hogs domestically or globally to import the meat. Uh, you just don't have the supply to offset the substitution effect that we would have to take on. And so not only would you be seeing a lower supply, less competition, but then if the prices rallied so sharply and cut the demand off at the knees, you'd be going into 2023 with a really odd-looking market. And I think we're seeing that in the hog market right now. I want to kind of circle back to this avian influenza because, I mean, we see the impact it would have, obviously, on the poultry industry, but I can't imagine the economic impact that this is going to have on some bean prices and corn prices that have been doing really well at this point. No, I think you're right. If I heard your question correctly, I, I, it's going to be really hard to hold on to the demand levels that we had in 20 and 2021, especially if we see the conflict between the United States and Russia lead to a physical military conflict. And, and we actually see borders crossed by military personnel. And why is that? Well, it's because the Ukraine and Russia are such a key issue with the Baltic when it comes to the wheat and the corn and other commodities, i.e. fertilizer and natural gas, and a Russian naval blockade would turn the trade world upside down for agriculture. I mean, look at Algeria today. They came in, didn't buy 600,000 tons of wheat in a tender. They bought 700,000 tons. Is that because they're nervous that they're not going to get that Black Sea wheat out the door, out of the Baltic, if there's a naval blockade? I think so, and that's why they bought extra. But the big element here that makes me most nervous and, and suggests to me that this is not going to be an easy ride for the commodity bull is that China's involved, and China's our big buyer, and we could use trade and agriculture trade specifically as a political weapon, less so if there's more weather. But that's going to be really tough to navigate, so I think you really got to elevate your marketing and risk management this year. Lots of things that we're going to look at and lots of things we'll talk about when we get ready to head into the second half. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the World Radio Network. Mike Zuzlo is joining me with Global Commodity Analytics. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what's happening. We know that harvest is wrapping up in some areas in South America. But we're also going to take a look at this livestock site. $1.43 on the cash. Some guys said they haven't seen that number in a while. We also filled a gap taking place in the hogs. All those details coming up in the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we understand there could be some tough decisions this spring when choosing seed for your farm. Fontenelle still has a good selection of Extendflex soybeans with triple stack tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to handle your toughest weeds. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer about Extendflex soybeans and ask about our locally proven corn hybrids too. Always follow IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labeled. VM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzlo continues to join us with Global Commodity Analytics. And before we switch gears to head to the livestock side, I want to talk a little bit, because we mentioned it in the front half just a bit, um, has been this dryness and weather concerns. I know that we've talked about this numerous times for South America, Mike, as, as they get this crop. My understanding is right, some areas are 60 to 70% planted on the safrina corn crop? 
Yeah, that's right. And in the Safrina corn crop, you go either way. And that's where in the earlier segment I talked about, I think both crops are going to go down in terms of Brazil and Argentine corn. It's not just the beans. And I think that is based upon the fact that I don't think we're going to get the job done with the weather heading into the end of the month in Argentina because they're in fill in most of their areas, if not getting ready to harvest. And so that's a big deal at this point because they've had 100-degree days and in Santa Fe, Entre Rios provinces and and other northern-tier areas that are real close to Paraguay and southern Brazil, they just haven't had rain. And you notice Paraguay has been in the news too, Susan, where they're looking at maybe buying beans from Argentina, and I've heard they may even have to buy and source corn from Brazil at this point because their drought hit their crops so badly. So I think that the 50 million metric ton Argentine corn crop is a top-end number. USDA came in at 54 just a week or so ago, so I think there's quite a bit of drop there. And as for Brazilian corn crop, USDA is at 114, Conab's at 112-plus, I think it's closer to 110 because I, I don't think that Safrina corn is going to get the rain it needs. So let's jump over to, to the livestock side. 143 on the cash. What are you thinking for these cattle guys? Yeah, great question because I think we're really in a red zone right now in terms of making a touchdown as far as marketing and hedging some nearby marketings at both cattle and hogs. I think two things have happened. The funds went from essentially a neutral position in the hog complex, a net short position in the feeder complex, and they changed their direction, and they changed it fast. And they usually do that. So the hogs are up at around 85,000 net long on the commitment of traders, futures, and options. The 2021 high is a little over 100,000, right around 102,000 net long. I think we're in the 85 as of last Friday. I think we're probably in the 90s at this point. So I think we're within about 10,000 contracts of being at the 2021 highs for fun length. Now, back in 2014 when we had the disease pressure, and we also had the avian influenza back in 14-15 as well, um, we were at a 116,000 net long for hogs. So I think we're in the really sweet spot for the funds being extra long. We filled a weekly chart gap at 108 today, and we went through the 107.70 April contract uh high that we made here just about a week ago so i'm really looking for a double top here and why i'm spending so much time on the hogs is because i think the hogs really help carry the cattle higher along with that avian influenza so once the hogs top i'll hedge the hogs and then be looking for the cattle the fat cattle specifically put in their top in the april and june contracts especially it's hard to believe we're we're slowly winding down the month of february what are some keys that we need to be watching for as you talk about these hogs because obviously a top being near yeah the 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 input costs are what's going to be the hardest for me in the livestock sector in the next six months i i will go back to what you and i talked about probably six or seven months ago at this point i still see the first half of calendar year the best time for the grain marketer the grain hedger and, and the best time to lock in your feed, <clears throat> um, and, and, you should, and hopefully you did that earlier on before the turn of the year. The second half of the calendar year, I think, is more for the livestock hedger. But you have tighter supplies, and it, and it looks like by some of the earnings reports, like from Walmart and, and some other grocery retailers and high-frequency data, we're holding on to our demand fairly well. But I don't think that's going to last too long. So my sense is, is that by, by the time we get to quarter three, We'll have a tighter supply that offsets some weakening demand and maybe give us some chances to market some better back-end, future, back-end marketings for the cattle market. Tighter supplies from a consumer perspective, should that cause some nervousness? Yeah, it really does. And I think it's going to be tighter supplies from 
in, in demand from a global consumer perspective. One good thing is it looks like Australia and, and uh, Argentina and even Canada are probably going to be out of the competitive market on the beef side until at least late this year, early 2023. So there's not a lot of places to go get beef imports, but if we bring the chicken uh, flock back up or the pork herd back up, hog herd back up, you got to really be on your no- uh, toes about that. And for the grains, quickly, what are we uh, what are we going to be focusing on as we wrap up uh, the month of February? I really think we got to think about that agricultural outlook meeting. I got and I got to think we got to think about those new highs we made in November beans at fourteen, almost seventy level. The month of February, I can't find a time period in February we've ever done that in new crop beans. I think you still want to take advantage of this move up in this retest of the old highs, especially in the soybeans. Lots of great things that we talked about today, Mike. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best ways to go to the website, whether you want to sign up for a trial or take a look at that Atchison seminar next week, globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com. All right. Thanks so much. Mike Zuzalo has been joining us today. That has been the Fontenelle Final Bell. As always, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that are not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.